Welcome to the Record Celtic Podcast. I'm Graham Young. Today I'm joined by Daily Record sports writer Craig Swan and Hoops hero Chris Sutton. Before we get started, I'd like to remind you that you can all keep up to date with the latest Celtic news by signing up to our newsletter through our website. Full details are also available in the description section of this podcast. On the show today, Gareth McCauley's blistering Celtic swipe as ex-Rangers man slams nine in a row celebrations. We also look at Chris Commons' um, talking about Mikko Lussig and whether uh, the former Celtic stars provided some ammunition uh, for Rangers ahead in the new season. And we're at the time of year where transfers take control, but as we know, it's a summer signing season where differences COVID-19 wreaks havoc across the globe. How important would it be for Celtic to hold on to their key men this summer? So, gentlemen, how are we? How are we, Chris? Yeah, very, very well, thank you. Yeah, glad, glad to be back on and nice to catch up with Swanee, as always. Yes, I'm sunbathing here. Sunny, <laughs> glorious, glorious sunshine. Wonderful. Very nice. Would you be able, Would you be able to post a picture of that on Twitter at all? I think I don't think that would be possible, Chris. Thank you, but thanks for asking. I'll send. I'll send. I'll send you a personal one. <laughs> oh, that sounds perfect. So we've got. So. The comments over the last couple of days, uh, Gareth McCauley, a man well, not many remember even for his time at Rangers, the words tainted and hollow, that's how he describes uh, Celtic's nine-in-a-row success. Chris, I know you've had a quick jab, so to speak, online, but would you like to give us your full thoughts on McCauley's sting criticism of Celtic and their celebration? Um, it, I have to say, it actually surprised me a little bit. And, you know, I don't know Gareth. I haven't met him, but I've, you know, followed his career. You know, he had a good career um, as a player. Always seemed like a a pretty solid guy to me. But I have to say, I was I was surprised at his comments. Um, you know, it, I don't know whether he was caught off guard, but, I mean, his comments were, were shithousery of the highest order. Uh, I, you know... Absolutely was the hollow and tainted stuff. I didn't I didn't get at all. You know, uh, if it was the other way round and uh, and Rangers had you know been awarded the title, I'm absolutely positive he wouldn't be saying the, you know that that sort of stuff. Um, and then you know there's there's a lot of things where you, where you I was reading through what he said, talking about Neil Lennon and um, you know Neil Lennon saying on television that the title win was. Uh, was one of the greatest ones in his management. That was that was to wind up Rangers fans. You know, Gareth McCauley isn't entitled to speak for Neil Lennon. Neil Lennon knows what he's saying. Uh, so, you know, I didn't get that one. And then he said, deep down, it would rankle with Neil Lennon, the fact that they weren't able to, to win it on the pitch, secure it on the pitch. I don't get that at all. You know, the pressure under uh, the pressure for Neil Lennon going into the season, you know, everybody was talking about 10 in a row. Well, you have to win nine first. So that was, you know, that that was the pressure in itself. I think deep down, it will rankle more to Rangers players and the Rangers manager that they haven't been able to, to lay a glove on Celtic. And then he talked about history, not looking too kindly on this Celtic nine in a row team. That's just absolute garbage it is it is such an achievement to win nine in a row that's why you know it's only been done a couple of times previous to this and you know if you're asking from a Celtic fans point of view they would say well nine in a row is looking pretty good from where 
where we're sitting. And then to, you know, to belittle it and say, well, you know, it can't be looked at in the same light as the Lisbon Lion team. Well, you know, maybe not because the Lisbon Lion team won the European Cup, the big trophy. Uh, and, and the Rangers team, you know, when you look at some of the names for their nine in a row, absolutely fantastic team they were. But there is an argument to say that this Celtics team uh, nine in a row is a greater achievement than the Rangers team uh, during the 90s. And I'll say that because Rangers were, were, were able to go out and buy tried and tested top quality players. They brought the England captain. Terry Butcher, the likes of Loudrup, um, you know, Gascoigne, brilliant players, absolutely top players. Basil Bowley, you know, they were just cleaning up, cleaning up all the best players around. And, I, you know, I, I wasn't actually aware of this. I had to look this up. I think Celtic only finished second twice in those uh, in, in the Rangers nine in a row years. So, so Celtic weren't competing, you know, in the transfer market. Uh, Rangers were buying Terry Butcher. Celtic were buying Wayne Biggins. I mean, that sort of summed things up, didn't it? But this 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 Celtic achievement, this nine in a row, is a standout achievement. I don't care what anybody says, and they've had to do it in a market which is, you know, tricky to uh, tricky to bring players in. And some of the players they've brought in and developed and and you know have gone on to. It's a great thing, the likes of Van Dyke and uh, and Moussa Dembele. So you know you you have to take your hat off to uh, to Celtic as you do to the Rangers team, which which was uh, you know one in the nineties, and of course the Lisbon Lions team. Yeah, good those thoughts, Swanee. Yeah, certainly quite a lot of them. Uh, Chris has made a lot of the points that I'd thought myself. Um, certainly the first thing he said, it seemed to be slightly out of character I mean again I'm like Chris I wouldn't profess to know Gareth McCauley as any great friend or anything like that but he has he's one of these guys that's been about for a while and never really seemed to be that controversial Um, I I found it a little bit disrespectful to be perfectly honest Uh, these guys were fellow pros a year ago I mean you know with the greatest of respect you know for talking about Chris for example he's maybe not, not played for 10 years or you sometimes get pundits that have been out the game for a long time 15-20 years and you know they have a pot shot at current players I mean McCauley was playing well albeit briefly but he was playing last season in, in Stephen Gerrard's team and I, I thought some of the stuff about you know, com- you know Scott Brown will never be classed as a Bobby Lennox or a, a Stevie Chalmers I mean think that's very unnecessary in the sense that I don't think I, I was fortunate enough last week to get the chance to speak to Scott and to James Forrest um, in the wake of winning it to do interviews for the paper and you know when you talk, when you talk to those guys about the medals that they've won and the comparisons with these guys from, from the past you know they're very humble they, they almost kind of get embarrassed by the fact that you would mention them in the same breath they won't have that at all you know you know, they, they don't go shouting a mouse off or shouting from the rooftops that they are that or the next thing. And I didn't really think it was necessary for Macaulay to say something of that ilk. We also started on the just, pod. Just, just but, on that, you, you know, uh, you know, I played in a good Celtic team. You know, to, to play alongside the likes of Henrik Larsson, Neil Lennon, Paul Lambert. Not, not once, you know, I played with a lot of great players. Did we ever think we were on the same level as the Lisbon Lions team? That's right. They're the team and the players who we all aspire to be to to try and aim to get to that level. And That's in many the part. Respects, yeah. We, we never knew we were going to get to that level. And in fairness to Scott Brown, you've mentioned James Forrest as well. They'll be exactly the same. They they won't want you know they they won't 
They won't want to be compared to the Lisbon Lions team. Absolutely not. But in their own right, you know, they've, they've been fantastic players for the club and, and will go down as Celtic legends, and, uh, and quite rightly so. Yeah, that's the point I was getting to. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong, it, 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 these guys would never be dismissive. You know, if Bobby Lennox, the legend that's Bobby Lennox, compares James Forrest to Jimmy Johnson, that's, you know, James Forrest isn't going to be disrespectful to Bobby Lennox and say, oh, well, his, his opinion doesn't count. Of course he's not. But at the same time, he also realises it's a nice thing, but I'm, I'm quite sure... James doesn't think he's as good as Jimmy and George. Well, I can tell you for a fact he doesn't think that because he knows it's not right. Um, none of these boys profess to be anything like that. And I don't think it was fair for a grenade like that to be thrown in. By McCauley, when he was talking about Scott Brown and, and Bobby Lennox and, and, and Steve Chalmers, I just don't think it was fair. And it's right that these Celtic players have achieved fantastically well in terms of trophies. And they, I, don't, I don't think they deserve to be, to be besmirched in the manner that they were. I thought it was as I say, out of character for McCauley. But, you, you know, maybe that's... Maybe he's, maybe he's always been like that and just never really mentioned it that much or, or kept his, his counsel a bit more when he played. But I, I thought also the stuff about Neil Lennon. We talked about this on the podcast last week. Chris, yeah. Neil Lennon's not out to prove himself or celebrate to anyone other than proving himself to Celtic supporters that he can deliver the nine and the ten. I mean, yeah. he's long gone past that kind of thing. I would have thought worried about what other people's fans think about him. He's more interested in winning trophies for Celtic. That's it. And if he cel- he celebrated winning nine in a row because he's proud of winning it, not because of what it was going to be winding someone else up. I just found that utterly odd. And the the bottom line is is you know there there may be or there will be uh, you know Rangers uh, supporters who will call it tainted and can call it ta- tainted. They're entitled to their own opinion, but look in the history books. Look what it says. Celtic have won nine in a row. They were awarded uh, the title. And, you know, for people to keep going back on, you know, about integrity and the league should have been voided. Well, it hasn't been voided. It has been called. They just have to get on with it. And the final point I'll make on this, because I don't want to dwell on this all the time. Um, uh, when Gareth McCauley said he certainly wouldn't be celebrating uh, as a professional sportsman because you crave competition. He actually doesn't know what it's like to celebrate because he actually hasn't won a title in his career. So he doesn't know what that feeling is like. So that was a very strange comment. Uh, if he'd have shown that passion as a Rangers player, which he has in this interview, maybe they would have pushed Celtic a little bit closer. That takes so nicely to Chris Bond this morning. Uh, reacted made the comment about Nico Lustig at the weekend saying that if Rangers don't stop the 10 they'll be regarded as the worst team in uh, Ibrook side's history and he was making the point that maybe Lustig could have kept his counsel uh, kept his powder dry maybe not made that comment but that obviously comes hot in the heels of what Macaulay was saying about Celtics I don't think Celtics would be short of ammo but on the wider issue Chris did, how often in your play days at Celtic was, did Martin O'Neill use tabloid headlines, was that something used as motivation in the dressing room or was that something among the players that was a catalyst for big motivation before a, a, a big match and a big season? Um, it's an interesting one, this, because, you know, I may be wrong and maybe I, you know, I've missed something, but I don't ever think Martin ever pinned anything up on the board. I mean, the, the, the game which should spring to mind and, and, you know, you'll both remember this, uh, was the men against boys 
game against Blackburn Rovers, you know, where the Gary Flitcroft, a good player I played with at Blackburn, really good footballer he was. And then Graham Souness came out and after they'd got beaten and, and, you know, said it was men against boys, which was a daft thing to say. It wasn't one where Martin had to to pin those comments on the dressing room wall. It was one where we knew as players we didn't perform as well as we should have done on that evening and just kept it inside. We spoke about it amongst ourselves. We were disappointed, you know, with, with our own performance. We didn't need anybody, uh, you know, from the opposition telling us uh, this. But, you know, was it an extra motivation? Um no, I wouldn't say an extra motivation because what was at stake, but I, I suppose what it does do is, you know, going down there and, and beating Blackburn, my former club, I had a great five years there. But even, you know, because I had an affiliation with Blackburn at the time, it, it victory did taste sweeter because of, you know, um, because of the comments which Graham Sooneth and, and Gary Flitcroft had, had said at that time. Mikael Lustig is absolutely entitled to his opinion. I think the point he was making is, is you know, if Celtic get to 10, has never been done in history before, then I think that that's a, you know, a, a, a valid point that, you know, this Rangers team will, or the Rangers team next season will be the one who couldn't stop the 10. So, you know, it's up to Rangers to respond, but, you know, words are, you know, talk is cheap, really, isn't it? Sticks and stones, uh, you know, might have you do do your talking on the pitch. I was going to say, Chris, I've, I, I've never been fortunate enough to be in the position you've been in and as a professional footballer or anything like that, but to me, I often think these things are slightly overblown and the fact that it'll come down to talent and ability to the, at, at the end of the day. I mean, I could be the most motivated guy in the world to beat Rory McIlroy at golf. But it's not going to happen because I'm not good enough and it doesn't matter whether Albion Rovers are as motivated as anything and Manchester United have dismissed them they're not going to be able to beat them because Manchester United have got better players it doesn't really matter I don't think what Michael Lustig or what anyone says or any in the punditry world before next season starts it'll come Rory, down to who's, I'll come, I'll come down to who's got better players and Celtic have got better players at the moment and if Celtic continue to play better they'll win and it doesn't really matter what gets said what, Rory, what were you going to say about Rory McIlroy? Rory McIlroy drinks all weekend heavily and then plays you. You might, you might have a chance, Wally. I don't know. <laughs> He'd maybe drinking petrol or something. <laughs> no. No, but these things, you, you know, the, the biggest concern for Rangers, you know, I think is that, that, you know, there have been signs over the last couple of seasons that they can perform you know, well at times, but they haven't had the consistency. And that will be, you know, their bugbear. You know, the first first season under Steven Gerrard, all right, you can say it's his first season, give him time, but they were blown away, uh, you know, lacked real metal and steel. And then we thought that, that, that this would change this season. Uh, but, you know, said it many times since the winter break, they, you know, they fell away. I mean, it was an unbelievable collapse from them. And you'd have to question... Their, their mentality and, and Celtic have players who have been there course and distance time and time again and, and they have shown they can handle it and I said I think I said on last week's pod or the, or, or the, or the you know, pod before you can't they can't keep winning forever I mean this is this is a golden period for Celtic and their achievements as of late don't Celtic fans should not take them for granted it is unbelievable 
what they have achieved. Uh, you know, this this group of players, and they've shown that they have the mentality, and it looks like they have the mentality to take this on. And what happened, Chris? I think in the second half of, if we call it, last season now is going to stand the current squad of Celtic players in really good stead because they, you know, there was questions asked and the response and the way they handled it shows yeah. them that they can cope with anything on the mental side next season. Whereas you would imagine, again, I don't know, I don't work or live in the Rangers dressing room, but I would imagine there'll be one or two of them who if they're there next year will perhaps be a little bit scarred if we get back to the same situation in the league next season when it comes to the nitty gritty because they weren't able to do it this year you've touched upon this in the past in times uh, you've touched upon this in the past in columns Chris is what I was trying to say is that getting over the line it's not just about ability you need to have that mental strength and until you've done it there will always be that doubt that you can do it and none of the Rangers squad have done it no and I think I think that you know it's interesting, so the social media in this day and age. And, you know, back in the day, if I was a player, I wouldn't touch, uh, you know, social media. I think Rangers have had their moments at times against Celtic and, of course, very impressive win at Celtic Park. But all this, you know, Glasgow's blue and white, uh, you know, it's... These are minor victories in the long scheme of things. And, you know, just leaves room for massive, massive egg on the face uh, for, for players when they, you know, put themselves in this position. The best thing, you know, my advice to Rangers players would be to keep your mouth shut until you actually win something and do something. And in fairness, I do believe that Steven Gerrard, you know, he's a, he's a brilliant footballer he was and the likes of Gary McAllister. I think they'll be reiterating that to, to the players, you know, do your talking on the pitch because... You no, know, Chris, only, do it, it in the newspapers, so Chris. Do it in the newspapers. <laughs> <laughs> Very important. But I think that was interesting. Both he's touched upon there. I was just just before he came in, Sonia, I was going to say that. See, for a guy like uh, Tavernier, a player who's in, the, in his defence has always been one to front up and in the media put the challenge back in Celtic and we're ready for the last big games ahead. But for a player like say, the, the Rangers captain, it must. How is he going to reset the narrative, so to speak? Will he be able to come again? He, he needs to say certain things. For well, yeah, well, can I stop you there? When you say come again, what do you mean? Maybe come to the first well, time. He, he hasn't won anything as Rangers captain or anything of note, does he? Well, so he can't come again. If you haven't come once, you can't come again. There has to be a point there. there, has, there you wouldn't it. expect a captain of a club not to be positive, but just, you know... It, it's There's a difference back. between positivity and delusion. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And what I was going to say was, until the, the players behind him or and him himself back it up on the pitch, to use Gareth McCauley's word, it'll be hollow. Yeah. I'll, I'll take you back to Martin. And I've you know, said this many times before. Martin O'Neill, the first season he came up, and we thumped Rangers 6-2, demolition derby, always kept talking about, uh, in the press, in in the media, about Rangers being the benchmark. And that it was the sensible thing to do because they were the benchmark. They were the dominant team of the 90s. Celtic did, you know, brilliant to stop, uh, you know, to stop the 10 in a row. Um, and, you know, it was a case of, in our dressing room, 
We may have been building confidence from the fact that we beat Rangers. We still knew they were formidable. Um, but, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that took the pressure off. If you keep crowing about singular performances, one-off games, that's all well and good. But do it over the course and distance. And, th and there's no proof to, ba to back it up that they will do it again. Oh, they will do it next season, Rangers. You know, the evidence which we've seen uh, in the past is that Celtic have players, they have the talent, but they have that mentality uh, and the belief to go the course and distance. And that seems to be uh, the singular most important thing that Steven Gerrard needs to change at Rangers. They may take uh, great confidence from European performances, but, it, it, you know, it's it's been quite baffling to see some of the performances in Europe, and then they can be uh, so awful when they're playing in the domestic league. You know, look at the cup competitions where they've wasted opportunities the last couple of seasons. That must be such a frustration because any trophy, any you know, any cup competition would have taken the pressure off Steven Gerrard. And I think yeah. you know, I, we saw Neil Lennon say the other day that if he'd gone two years without a trophy at Celtic, we all know that he would be sacked. So in many respects, Stephen Gerrard, you know, he's, he's got the backing of the Rangers board, but, you know, he's a lucky guy that he's still in a job. Oh, I think that covers um, everything that's going on down in terms of recriminations. Swanee, as you know, it's, uh, this is a time of year when it's all about transfers, uh, but it's obviously different this year. The pandemic that continues, but at the same time, there's signs from clubs that are looking ahead to holding their squad and keeping their squad intact. Maybe say on maybe what's going on at Celtic just now in terms of transfers, what could happen over the coming months? I think you've made the point there, Graham, that the transfer market will be very different because of the pandemic. I think this was always going to be a very different transfer market for Neil Lennon this summer in any case. If you compare it to last summer, when Neil Lennon came into the job and Brendan Rodgers left, he was asked a couple of times and he spoke about it, and I think everybody knew he used the word overhaul. And it was going to, I think, Celtic basically needed an entire back four. Kieran Tierney was leaving, Lustig was leaving, Boyata was leaving, Naya was going to be there, but there was, there was going to have to be major. There were certain areas of the field which were okay. But, you know, Scott Sinclair was clearly coming at the end. There was going to have to be change and turnaround. And Neil Lennon was going to have to make a lot of moves, which he did. Um, you can argue who was successful and who was not. Um, for, you know, from volleyball and goalie, Greg Taylor, the two left-backs. Julian was obviously a hit. Frimpong came into the team. That was probably a fortunate one. Not a fortunate one, an unexpected one, I should say. Um, people forget, probably one of the, someone who looked like one of the best signings, uh, Hatem Elhamed, missed so much. I say He looked really solid. I mean, I think he was in the process of one of his best games um, over in Lazio when he got the bad injury over in Rome. Um, that more or less kept him out. I think he came back just as a sub in the last game. So there was, there was major surgery needed last summer, which I don't think is going to be needed this summer. The, Neil Lennon's already touched on the fact, I think he used the phrase, there will be few changes. And to be honest, it'll probably depend on outgoings. If there were no outgoings you would probably think they don't need any, really. There might be 
I mean, left the left side of an attack was mentioned in Dubai because the, the Sinclair position really hasn't been filled. But, you know, Johnny Hayes played there now and again. But, of course, the system change almost negated that. He didn't need the left side of the 4-3-3 guy when he moved to 3-5-2, to which ultimately proved so successful. Now, Neil Lennon will want options so that he can switch his systems for different games. So, you know, somewhere like that might be an area. Um, someone to maybe uh, give James Forrest a chance to get a break now and again. But you look at the, you know, the, the midfield guys, McGregor's at a good age. Um, now Beaton's going to be getting kept on. Brown may have to cut his game. I think it'll be tweaks rather than... And if they can keep who they've got, if they can keep Odson, if Fraser Foster... Um, I will use the phrase keep Fraser Foster, but that's not strictly true because he's not actually their player. But you know what I mean. If they can get Fraser Foster back, Elianusi as well, who would help offset that left side problem that we discussed, I don't think they would need much, really. I don't, know, I don't know what you think, Chris, but I think they're pretty well set. You're, yeah. you obviously you have to you have to strengthen when you're on you're on top, of course, and it probably yeah. wouldn't be wise to just stay completely static. But I don't think it needs any sort of major summer overhaul. Maybe just one here and one there, and I think that'd be fine. And given the state of the the transfer market and the pandemic, that might be just as well. Yeah, you you seem to have reservations about Scott Brown there, Swanee. Do you, do you think he's not going to? I mean, I wrote him off four years ago. No, I don't. I don't. No, no, I don't have any. But I said, I think, I think it would be wholly unwise to write off Scott Brown now because he's proven everybody wrong so many times. Mm. But you know, you don't, you can't be for sure what's going to happen with Olivier and Cham. Every summer, we seem, it seems to be mentioned that would just leave Brown and McGregor. Um, Ryan Christie's obviously that he plays a ten. Roger a ten. Now, they did sign Ismaili Soro. We, we don't know how good that lad's going to be. He was signed in January. He was signed to build up. But, you know, maybe just a, a wee bit of help in there. But again, as I say, it comes down to whether people leave. If Encham yeah. doesn't leave, there doesn't really need to be any strengthening. I know you're a fan of Beaton, Chris, and I know he's, he's moved back he's, to pitch to play yeah, as far as the back three. Yeah. But he can also play in that holding role if need be. So, yeah. I think that... I think that in good shape and what we talked about earlier they're all proven winners as well you've got yeah. no one in there who's going to have to learn it I mean even this year Julian had to learn it how to get over the line Greg Taylor had to learn how to get over the line it, was, it would have been new for Ham, El Hamed even though what happened in the end happened and he wasn't really there for but these guys have all got that experience now that's them they've all done it they're yeah. all going to be even stronger now yeah. so I think Lennon's in great shape yeah, I think you made a good point about El Hamid. I, you know, I thought he didn't play enough, but when he did play, I thought he was he was fantastic. And if there are sort of reservations, I take your point about James Forrest. Uh, Ryan Christie actually did an admirable. I don't have any reservations about James Forrest. Chris. No, just, 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 just to give him a break of, now and again. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, uh, you know, I would agree with that. Um, I and Ryan Christie can play on that side. I don't think that that's a position that I think he does a decent enough job, but I don't think that necessarily suits him. I don't think that's where he's at uh, his best. I think mm-hmm. I think left back down that left side. You made the point again. I th- think that's an interesting one. Um, I'm still not convinced with the left back position. I think when Johnny Hayes is thrown in that position, I always think he does a you know, a pretty decent job, but, you know, is he the future long-term? I think Taylor's uh, defensively, 
probably the best of them all, but he doesn't get he doesn't have that ability when he played in the uh, in the in the wing back role to really uh, take somebody on like a Johnny Hayes, for example. You know, one v one situations, he doesn't have that confidence or or a trick to go past somebody. That well, that may be, that may come. It 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 may come. Yeah, I mean, it may come. I think when you look ahead and you spoke about the change in systems, I think that, you know, that was that was pretty much spot on. That suited Celtic at that particular time. Um, but, you know, looking ahead sort of up one in that, if they played a 4-2-3-1, Elianusi showed signs of being a really important player, had some terrific games for Celtic. Mikey Johnston as well, you know, brilliant yep. in pre-season. Um I think it's going to be one of those seasons next season where you actually, I expected it to come uh, this season with his form in pre-season, but he's due a blistering season. Uh, You know, I know he needs to stay injury free, uh, but I think he's due a big season. He needs to make his breakthrough uh, eventually. You know, there is talent there. The one area (laughs) where I'm still slightly, uh, you know, or I would be slightly nervous if I was Neil Lennon, um, is centre forward because yes, uh, Griffiths worked superbly well with Edward. Great to see Griffiths back in form. But if I'm honest, I'm looking at the backup and I'm thinking, am I sure about Bayo and Timala? And uh, I, I know they spent was it three million, three and a half million on Timala. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, not not so sure. Wasn't convinced with him. We all know what's at stake. I think that you know it's important to, to certainly to keep Edward and uh, and to keep the core of players. Craig made a good point about and Sham. I think that you know the, the central midfield. If he stays, Celtic are looking pretty strong. What I would say is that it never does any harm to to freshen the squad up a bit and get a couple of fresh faces in. But the difficulty for Neil uh, will be getting players in who are better than what they've got. But if you're going, you know, which they are, they're going for 10 next season, then I'm sure that Neil would be wanting, you know, a bit of freshness in, in some of the areas. And the areas of concern certainly do look to to be those uh, wide areas where they may just not quite have enough. What would the consideration be, Chris, that the outlay that would have to be made to get, we don't know how the market's going to be, so we don't know how much money there's going to be available. No one does. Yep, I think the, the, money, the, the, the money that it would take to maybe get Foster and Ilyanusi, yeah, that, would, that I, I, may I think, take up yeah. most of the budget. I, I don't know. The, I don't know what the budget is. Yeah. No, and uh, no, I'm with you on that. I, I think Fraser Forster is a you know an absolute must. Um, yeah. You know, he's he's not Celtic's player, but you know, for what he, the way he's performed this season, just imagine going into next season with what's at stake without him in goal. I mean that's uh, you know, and it's not being disrespectful to Craig Gordon, Scott Bain, but you know, Celtic seem to be seem to be far better. They seem to be far more assured. There's there's more of a confidence when you see Fraser Forster standing beneath those sticks, uh, standing in between the sticks. And Neil Lennon's well aware of that. He, you yeah. know, he must be well aware of that. He's key. Yeah. I think that's interesting. Where things stand for Celtic in the transfer market now, but one player that both he's touched upon there, gents, was uh, Olivia Cham. Uh, I think there with Southampton, maybe potentially that could be bringing Fraser Foster back to Celtic. But in Cham's Celtic career is a very interesting one. Took a, a while to get going, then he became 
pivotal player under Brendan Rodgers. Last season, season before last was difficult, and then came back on his game. Do you think he's worth keeping it? Is, is he too good a player maybe to be on the fringes, or is he too important for Celtic to let go? Do you think something that should be there for the coming years? I know there's been real interest in him in the past. He's, he's all, as far as he's, he's always struck me as a player who can be quite frustrating for the supporters because it's quite clear that he has all the talent in the world and should be at a level where you will watch games against Celtic against Ross County or Hamilton and you would expect a France under 21 central midfield player at the stature he's at just now to be absolutely running the game and there are times when he doesn't and you and, and you can hear the groans run about the stadium and you think he could be doing a bit more yet you look at the amount of games you know I was doing the stuff for the you know for the, the end of season pullouts and things like that and you know he, he played almost five six of the games and like you know so he was contributing and he was scoring you know and he, and he can do it in the big European games as well so he's, it, it's definitely in there and for whatever reason whether it was the, the chat that Neil Lennon had with him when he sat him down after the, the furore at the start of last season, when the comments came out from his homeland, or whether it was, you know, the kind of the, the togetherness with him and Julian and Odson and everyone seems really happy together. Whatever it is, he seemed to settle down and come right on it again at times last season. Again, there was frustrating days, but I think the talent's there and he's not old. You know, there's, there's better years to come. And, and, and the talk of the transfer stuff, again, it, it doesn't just come back to Celtic buying, it comes back to Celtic selling. I mean, we don't know what, we don't know what Southampton's going to have in, it, in the pot. So, no, nah, I'm, 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 I'm not sure in the sense of, in terms, he's a, he's a question mark. I would certainly keep him if it was me. If I was Neil yeah. Lennon, I'd be trying to keep him. I think there's plenty of talent in there. I think the... the... I think the the one word which springs to mind when you talk about uh, Olivia and Sham, uh, which, which is required, is consistency. And yeah. you know, I, I, you know, agree with, with what Craig says. I think that you know, on his day, he's powerful. I mean, he's got a, you know, really good strike on him. He can see a pass. He can make a pass. He's robust. He's got a good engine. He just needs to do it uh, on a more regular basis. And, you know, if he does that, I'm not surprised that there are clubs looking at him. But the one question mark, uh, you know, would be if, the, you know, if there are clubs scouting him week in and week out is, you know, is he doing it regularly enough? Is he performing at a level, uh, you know, high enough every week? And I think that naturally with young players, you know, they do have peaks and troughs and, and he just needs to improve his consistency levels. But, you know, I wouldn't be uh, in a rush if I was Neil Lennon in, in wanting him out, I mean, of course, you know, I think Neil will have faith in Scott Brown and McGregor and those those two positions look absolutely nailed on. And then you're looking ahead of that and you're thinking, well, you know, it looks like Ryan Christie will, you know, will be will be the 10. But then, you know, Christie can play a variety of roles and and then Sham can play that position. What Celtic do have in there, in the, in that central area, though, is real strength in depth, and if yeah. they do want to go, you know, and, and win the ten, then I wouldn't be I wouldn't be worried about the money this season. I'd be I'd be more worried about having the strength 
of squad and uh, and Sham certainly gives them that. You know, he's a player, I think, on many times we're seeing him sit on the bench and you're thinking, blimey, he doesn't deserve to be sitting on the bench. You know, he's too good to sit on the bench, but that's what you want if you want to be a successful team. You you know, you want to have that depth. There's one other thing here, Chris, and I wondered if it was worth pointing out. I think it's something we will probably touch on in future podcasts. But there is, there's obviously going to be a strangeness about the new season in terms of we may be starting behind closed doors. No one actually knows what's going to be happening. You don't know what stadiums games are going to be played in, hub games. We don't know what's, what's going to come of it all. But there's going to be so much change around. I just wondered if, if you maybe think that a familiarity with the squad wouldn't be a bad thing. You know, getting to new and new players, dealing with guys, things like that. Oh, it's going to be strange enough. You know, going back yeah. in, going back in with the team you've got and the familiarity, and you all know each other. And I don't know. Yeah. Is that just is that is that not right? Yeah. Or I don't know. I just think well, the idea of keeping the squad the same would seem sensible if, yeah. as much as you can with all the other changes that are going to be going on. I think the biggest thing is, is Celtic. You know, you've touched on it. Nobody knows the financial situation at you know at a, a lot of clubs and how it will you know affect a club like Celtic. Of course, it will. Um, I just, you know, I, do, I mean, Sir Alex Ferguson was famous at United, you know, at times when you thought, blimey, what a team, they can't get any better. And then he'd, uh, you know, he'd, he'd get rid of Yap Stam and David Beckham and, you know, and he thought, why is he doing that? And, they, and you know, they brought fresh faces in. I don't think that, that Celtic certainly don't have the, you know, the, the depth which United had, you know, um, back in the day, the strength in depth. So for argument's sake, you know, Neil Lennon, impossible for him to get rid of odds and Edward. I don't know Edward's the situation on his contract, but whatever somebody offers with, with the 10 at stake, it's one of those where you, you just, you know, you just hang on to him. Just make sure you do by hook or by crook, however you do it. You know, he, he is too important to lose. I think, you know, familiarity uh, is important, but I always think, you know, you, you get a new face in the door, uh, you know, a, a really, Good new face, somebody who's going to improve the team. It gives the team an edge. So that, you know, there's certainly uh, that aspect. That, you know, it doesn't require wholesale changes, but I'm sure Neil will be wanting, you know, somebody in just to just to give them a little boost and a kickstart and a freshness. Maybe last Jeremy Simple, you mentioned Swanee, who's impressed. Last season, um, he's a player plucked by an academy, Manchester City's academy. Do you think that's maybe a route Celtic Nick Hammond, Neil Lennon will be looking at this summer potentially, where there'll be some big decisions, some tough choices for Premier League? Extra close eye on talented academy players that have been let go down south. Yeah, but I think that's something that's not something that's just happening this summer. That's last summer, January. That's just a that's a constant cycle at Celtic, and that's been the case before Neil's time and, and, and Nick Cameron. You know, Brendan Rodgers was doing it. Patrick Roberts was in before then, coming from Manchester in the Manchester City Academy. That's where Jam was spotted. Um, you know, when he went out on loan to Italy, but he's originally through that system when he was first seen. That's something that Celtic have always done. So, uh, you know, to to suggest that it might be something they step up. I'm pretty certain they can't step up much more than what they are. I think it's something that they, they look really closely at because they know the value of getting these guys, you know, you're getting the guys from 
that you can get from the academy set up, develop many players and sell them. That's the model. Mm. No, they don't need to tinker too much. I mean, you know, why would, why would Neil Lennon risk, you know, when he knows he's got, you know, so many good players he can rely on, McGregor, Brown, Julian, James Forrest, you, you know what they're going to do, Edward. You know, that's what, my point. You wouldn't. Yeah, you yeah, wouldn't. So there's no, to... you, you know, not 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 with what's at stake. Celtic absolutely do not need a rebuild. You know, it's the it, interesting. You know, what everybody's looking at over the summer. I'd be looking at Celtic to, you know, to to maybe bring in a fresh face or two. I think everybody's looking across the city and thinking, where's your challenge going to? You know, where's the challenge going to come from? You know, you spent a fortune on players the last couple of seasons. You know, what you're going to do? You're going to rip everything up because it didn't work last season. And you know, do do your players have the belief? Because you melted away last year. And I think that's what everybody's looking looking at. Not what's happening necessarily at Celtic, but, you know, what Rangers are actually going to do. So just for a bit of light-hearted relief before we sign off, gents, thought we could maybe discuss league reconstruction back on the table. Oh, oh, I thought you said light-hearted relief. <laughs> no, so obviously it looks like it's going to be back on the table and Bunch has been tasked with coming up with a solution to cure our ills. Um, Sony, how do you think this will shake out? We've been heard all the different ways potentially leads could line up. We've got some maybe some worrying developments down the line and how many clubs will actually be able to play at the start of the next season. How do you think this will all shake out? And you've, just an- you've just answered your own question. We, we, we don't even know. We don't know whether a championship can get started again. We don't know when got- the other leagues can get going. So I, I find it impossible. It's a bit of a cop out though, Swanee. Yeah. But it's, Im- but, it's impo- but it's impossible to put a reconstruction model together. What are you going to do? Say you're going to have a, uh, what? What are you going to have? 14, then 10. Say 14, 10, 10. Oh, we've only got seven championship teams that can play. All right, okay. Right, we better change that to 14, 12. Well, what, what we got left? Oh, no, League One and League Two can't play in January. All right, okay. I mean, I just do not see the point of it just now. It's all based around hearts trying to save themselves. And nobody will be over this ad nauseum. Nobody thinks that it's particularly fair that hearts got relegated, despite the fact they were garbage all season. No one thinks it was really fair that they got relegated with eight games to go. But the point is, the whole thing has been shifted to try and suit one, because hearts are a big club. And unfortunately, I think they're just going to have to accept it. I think they're just going to have to accept I mean, like, there's one other thing I would throw into this. You can't bring an, an, an odd number. You can't make the, the top league an odd number. So you can't bring one up. So two have to come up. Who would be the other yeah. team that would come up? Inverness. Well, how popular have they been during the voting system and everything that happened with the other It's clubs? not a popularity contest. Nah. I don't I think they should just keep it the way it is. I don't want to make Swanee any more angry. I'm not angry. I'm, I'm, I'm not angry. You, you sound really angry, that last <laughs> question. <laughs> just, I just think it's, a, and the, it's the cart before the horse. We, we don't know how many football teams we're going to have next year. We don't know when the season yeah. can kick off. And we're talking about reshaping leagues. Can't, bizarre. Yeah. bizarre. I'd agree, I with, I'd agree I'll go, with I'll that. go back to the one question that I've said all along. And people will say... Yeah, but you can't say that because there is a difference. If Hamilton Ackies or St Mirren or anyone else finish bottom of the league, 
we wouldn't be having these discussions. Now, you can argue, you're blue in the face that, well, of course yeah, we wouldn't, because Hearts are the third biggest, and they bring X amount in. And what was one of the arguments? That keep Hearts in the league for the travelling support. We're not getting fans into the stadium still January. So what's the point of having a travelling support if you can't get them in the park? Come on. Mm. I agree with that. I agree with all of that. Nobody likes an angry swan. <laughs> uh, we'll call that for today thanks very much for joining us gents thanks Chris as always really appreciate your input and Craig thank you uh, I'll let you go and get yourself ready for yeah. next week and, uh, <laughs> you, yeah you have five minutes just on your own five through <laughs> just deep breath <laughs> bye chaps <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>